hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Dribble Podcast. My name is Craig O'Donoghue from the West Australian newspaper, taking you through another season of talking to guests from the Perth Wildcats, Perth Lynx and WA Basketball to give you the best insight possible into what's happening in the sport throughout this state. It was a disappointing weekend for the Perth Wildcats with an 84-81 loss to Melbourne United on Friday night and they'll be looking forward to getting back to their winning ways against Tasmania on Saturday. But before that can happen, we've got an NBA season that will tip off and our feature guest is set to be right in the middle of that for the first time. He is the boy from Bell Divers who has now made it to the Brooklyn Nets as an assistant coach, Adam Caporn. Welcome to the Dribble Podcast. Thanks, Craig. Appreciate you having me. Now, we're recording this at 7.30am Perth time on Tuesday, which is exactly 48 hours before your first game. It's up against the New Orleans Pelicans. Talk me through your emotions as you head into this. We're just really excited to, uh, to get it kicked off. I'm excited to see our team compete. We've, you know, like it, uh, in terms of other leagues, I guess, like training camp isn't that long or anything like that, but it's felt like we're building towards towards a good performance. So excited for that. Um, and the, uh, the fact that we're playing the Pelicans and I'll get to see Dyson is, uh, is pretty special as well. Now you're, you can tell you're a coach because you're already talking about the team. Let's talk about you. Like it's your first NBA game. Like, that's what the, um, the emotion of that. Like you've dreamt of this. What's that going to be like? Yeah, interesting question. You know, the, for some reason, the the main thing that made me think about it was when you just said the boy from Belle Divers, The Belle Divers part hit me a little bit. Just how far away it is and where I'm sitting now. Not so much in terms of career, just even location and have my own kids living in Brooklyn and. And stuff like that. So um, you're right. I mean, you kind of can't escape thinking like a coach. I'm really excited for it, but I know the season's a, you know, it's an epic deal and a, a marathon. So, um, and I just think it's the nature of coaching is you're not thinking about yourself too much. You're thinking about how you know the enthusiasm of the players and helping them have a good performance. But um, it's pretty cool. Being an NBA is. is Definitely good fun. So you are an extraordinary story. You're a kid from the Frederick Irwin Anglican School who went on to play for the Perth Wildcats, coached the East Perth Eagles, and rose through the ranks to the NBA. So you're WA through and through. I was speaking to a lot of people um, over the past couple of days to prepare for this interview, and I was told that when you're a teenager, everyone else used to talk about who's going to be the next big thing from a playing perspective, and at about 16 years of age, people were saying you you were going to be a coach. Has this always been in your blood? <laughs> um you know, I never thought about it. Uh, I wanted to play in the NBA, which obviously wasn't good enough to make happen. Um, but coaches would mention it to me. My um, I was at the AIS, Marty Clark, sort of maybe hint at it. My college coach was the first one to say it to me. And then um, it was my time in the Wildcats. So I was going through some really tough injuries. And Nick Marvin, Mark Radford, who's an assistant coach, um, with the Jack Jumpers now, I was an assistant coach at Perth at the time. And Scott Fisher, Connor Henry were just such great mentors and leaders. They could see what I was going through. And I think they just helped paint a picture. There was a future out there for me they thought I could work towards and help me get started. I wasn't planning on doing it. Um, they helped me get involved at East Perth. Um, I should mention Angelo Tatuli from the Bulletin Tigers as well, brought me in as a, an assistant coach when I was out for a season with an injury. So, um, it was mentioned to me. I didn't plan on doing it. Uh, I'm lucky to have some people that have uh, really looked after me and helped me get started. And once I got the bug, I was I was hooked. Because you were about 25, weren't you, when you when you were down at Willard? You were doing that as an assistant coach there while you were at the Wildcats, as you said. Would I be right? 24, 25? 25, yeah. 25, yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. 
had an injury put me out for a season and it seemed like a good way to stay busy and help out. We were passionate about Willerton and, and Angelo and the role that the uh, club played in my life. So when, when Trevor Gleeson got the job at Toronto as an assistant coach, he told the story uh, about meeting up with Nick Nurse in Perth uh, when Canada was here for the World Cup uh, practice matches against Australia. And, and that became the relationship-building moment that allowed him to get into the NBA. Have you had one of those relationship-building moments with, with, with Steve Nash that allowed you to become acquainted? Or was it somebody else who lit, hooked you up with, with Brooklyn in this way? Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Very boringly, don't have a great answer for that question. Um, I think there were multiple connections. I know, uh, you know, the Nets at that time when I was at the I was at the Center of Excellence working there as a head coach um, in the NBA Global Academy working with them. We had a num- we had Josh Giddy and Mojave King and then Dyson coming through and things like that. So we had a lot of people coming to NBA scouts and Lamelo Ball was in in the NBL as well. So a lot of scouts traveling through and some came to practices and um, one of them, then when I eventually did, you know, started speaking with Brooklyn, I, I recognized one of the scouts. Um, Will Weaver had worked at Brooklyn before and I think there were just a number of little connections and I eventually did an interview and landed a role with the G League team. Um, my relationship with Nash really kicked off once I got here um, and really fortunate that um, you know, he asked me to be part of the main team this year. It is an amazing team, and when you when you consider where all of the big names who are out there, and some of the some of the names are quite extraordinary, including these couple. Boy, they're all up on Kevin Durant, but they gave him a little daylight. Deadly Durant, dynamite. Quick trigger, Irving, sixty, sixty, Kyrie Irving. So when you walk through the door and you go, G'day, everyone, I'm Adam Capelon from Australia, and you're looking at these blokes in the <laughs> how do you go about earning their respect automatically when they don't necessarily know you from on-court exploits in the NBA or, or being an American in general? What's that like? Yeah. Well, I don't think you earn their respect automatically, um, nor should you. Um, I'm hoping to earn it uh, with good work over the course of time. Um, I've been through something, I guess, similar with the – joining the boomers i joined them from the center of excellence really coaching under 19s and 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 stuff like that so you just try and let your work speak for itself i think if you're uh desperate to impress uh in a quick manner that will that is not a good approach um and i think once you come in there and you know you've done your preparation you're ready to work it's basketball practice starts and you try and help out um you know and helping those guys is is very different from helping uh, under 19s, and you just you just trying to find a way to contribute is is how I see it. Um, yeah, it's different for every player, but I certainly haven't. I wouldn't imagine I've earned their respect yet. I'm working on it. So being there means you are part of the same team as one of uh, the Australians who you've been part of for a long, long time, Paddy Mills, this Aussie hero from the, from the Olympics, obviously, and he was quoted as telling the US media, and I quote here, "He's the Aussie that you guys had better start looking out for." And that's yourself. So he obviously, you've got an amazing relationship and it's gone for so long. Has having that relationship helped you in this environment? Yeah, for sure. Um, a familiar face around, um, obviously being able to pick his brain about the nature of the season and and being in the coach ranks, just what he thinks he needs to be successful and, and how I can help and things like that. So that's definitely helped. Um, I think... Uh, 
you know, our, our rapport and our previous experiences. I don't think Paddy you know, goes around telling other people on the team that I'm a good coach or I need him to do that. I hope he doesn't. And like I said, I just want my work to speak for itself. Um, but it was great to come to Brooklyn together after the Olympics and, uh, and sort of get to work. And whilst I was with the G, team, G League team last year, um, still felt part of it. And that's a sort of credit to the organisation, I guess. But um, it's been helpful for sure. Um, as much as anything, um, you know, socially, like going having a coffee and having someone else in Brooklyn that you, uh, that you know and respect. So tell tell the listeners all about your relationship with Paddy. It's gone for I reckon at least ten years. It might be even longer, all the way back to St Mary's University. So, uh, what's how have you known each other? What have you done together? And and, and what's it like being so close to him at the moment? Yeah, it's uh, it does go back a long way. Though I haven't been you know working with him let's intimately, let's say on the same team um, through most of that. Uh, I first encountered Paddy because I was. I had a boomers camp, trying desperately to make the boomers, and uh, he would have been 17 or 18, um, and he came in, and I quickly realized that I wasn't making it instead of him. Um, I remember playing against him in that camp and just being how impressed I was, um, how good he was at that young age. And Obviously, he went on to – that was like Beijing Olympics, I think. He went on to to do so well. So that was uh, when I first met him, um, and coming through the IOS, had a fondness for the program, and would – talk to the coaches and I remember going and speaking to the team and, and just saying hello to him there. Then he happened to go to St. Mary's. Um, I remember when he, he had an injury in his career uh, during an NBA lockout. He came back and worked out. So I spent some time with him there mostly. And after that, it was just um, bump into, I guess, um, having come through some of the same programs. Um, and then it was the boomers. And so I came into that after a lot of, what the team had been through with Rio joined after Rio and coming into it, the passion for the program, the belief of the group was just palpable and the demands were really high. So sort of roll my sleeves up and get stuck into that. Um, you can't help but get close to those players. Uh, and especially after we you know, had the sort of joyous moment of the bronze medal. So that journey uh, was just so intense and we got really close there as we did with so many of the players um, and to get that bronze medal and see it, uh, See that moment for him and some of the players was really special and a bond, you know, we'll have. And now, uh, you know, I work with him obviously day to day, helping him get ready for games, both with his personal skill and tactically. And it's you know, it's fun and he's doing great. You know, he's he's an incredible professional and really fun to work with. And Ben Simmons is obviously at Brooklyn as well. You haven't had as much to do with him over the extended period of, of time, but do you have a, a strong relationship with him, even though he hasn't uh, necessarily been as, as part of the Boomers program as what Paddy Mills does? I haven't spent as much time with him, but Ben's a great guy, um, passionate Australian and great player. And, um, yeah, it's been a really fun time sort of joining the team and, and having him around. Can't wait to see us on the court, see him all on the court together. How do you reflect on your playing career? You mentioned the injuries that you had and how difficult that part of it was and it cut you short. Do you look back on it with enjoyment? Do you look back on it with pain? Like everyone wants to play for longer and your body wouldn't let you. So how do you reflect on it now? Totally fondly. Um, so many great relationships. And um, I'm so passionate about coaching and enjoying it so much. Um, you know, it's bittersweet. I'm glad I got into it younger. Um, and I'm glad the timing, it just feels like it was meant to be. Um, with the people that the Wildcats at the time and being part of that sort of great club, I had the support that got me through a difficult period and got me started on a path that I really enjoy. And as me, like I said, with a 
with a young family in Brooklyn, really enjoying that. So there's moments that are bittersweet, um, but certainly totally fondly. And most of my my other reflection of my career, all the things I wish I did better or sort of learned along the way, all the sort of anxieties you have as a player and worries and frustrations and just try to recall them and remember what it's like to be a player and help us through that a little bit. To talk people through the injury, like uh, the knees are hard for anyone who doesn't, who doesn't knee. What, what was um, what was the process like for you to, to try to get back and the, the, the setbacks and all those sorts of things? Yeah, some of it was just different time, I guess, um, the technology and, and medical side of things has come a long way. I had a meniscectomy, so a bit of cartilage taken out in my medial part of my knee when I was younger. Nowadays, that would probably be stitched up and fixed. Um, and then, you know, joined the Wildcats. was sort of a dream come true, coming home um, and playing a, a real role in that team. We started the season really well. I want to say we were 6-0. and um, We were on the road and I had an achy knee, had bone bruising. In those days, we played through that and had sort of an acute um, impact on my femoral condyle, my articular cartilage. So I ripped a big piece of cartilage off, did a lot of damage in my knee and there was some cartilage already missing. So essentially I was like stage four arthritis very quickly, um, had great support from the club, stuck with me, multiple surgeries to get through it, played more games but never felt physically the same and had a lot of sort of injuries like overloading the other side and things like that. But like I said, a lot of what I learned, I think I became a better player mentally during that time. Um, a lot of things at skills, um, visualization, mindfulness that helped me to this day and I really believe in. And I think the biggest thing was, you know, was you sort of as it has to be, your playing career is somewhat selfish. You're really working hard and individually focused and trying to get better and help your team. But sort of greater vision and care that the club had for me through that and post-playing career is something I not only appreciate but try to sort of live up to myself because it had a really big impact on me. And then you finish up and you go to the East Perth Eagles, which is just, I love the fact mm. that you've gone from genuine grassroots to getting up to, to the NBA. What, what was what are your favourite memories of being at East Perth? Same thing, the people. I mean, I cringe at some of the things I did, you know, a lot of mistakes, but the, the faith of the people, I mean, Brett Nazari, among others, that were at the club at the time and the, the young players um, that were probably rolling their eyes at some of the things I was trying to, I was implementing for sure. Um it didn't feel like grassroots, you know. Like it, uh, I think the SBL, the state basketball league in WA is a really strong league, and I think that's been proven as the sort of. Uh, I've seen nationals happen this year, and the Rockingham Flames do so well, which brought me a lot of joy. Um, so it felt like a real, really good opportunity. I was thought I would coach on the side and get a real job, and had my sights set on that, and um, loved my time with East Perth. It was actually really. Went from there to be an assistant coach at the AIS, now the Centre of Excellence. Um, was really sad to leave. I, I, the East Perth experience was great and really appreciative to that club. What was the real job you were planning on getting? I'd love to know. <laughs> you, you never <laughs> what, what would you be doing if you hadn't have, if this hadn't have worked out? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that is a great question. I mean, I always I had studied. Um, I was partway through an engineering degree, but who knows how I would have got that done and finished it. I remember the sentiment of trying to – I was going back to school at the time and, and sort of thinking about a future and, as, and was doing bits of work here and there to, to I don't know, <laughs> find my way, I guess. 
And I just remember having this sentiment, what's the point of this? I just couldn't figure that part out. I, I really missed the thrill of competition and, um, you know, the East Perth part ticked that box. And I, I was soon I was, uh, when I was at the AIS and, and visiting some national team camps, being around that sort of elite environment again and helping young people get better, I was, I was hooked pretty quickly. So then you started taking genuine life risks. You moved to America to go to back, back to St. Mary's, which was your college when you, when you played, to become an assistant coach there. And yeah. as we said, Paddy Mills had played there. And then you, then you were part of a team that included Matty Delavadova, uh, Clint Steindl, yeah. Matt, Matt, Matt Hodgson, a couple of Wildcats names there. Uh, what did that experience teach you about going to the next step? That was uh, a, a very much a baptism by fire. I don't know why. I don't think I deserved the opportunity necessarily. <laughs> Uh, I had played there. That coach was the, probably the person at first put in my head, like, you'll come work for me one day. He would say, he would mention that. Um, and it's, it just sort of stuck with me through all that all that time and had an opening, brought me straight in as an assistant coach with it, just kind of unheard of um, to come in at that level. So um, really lucky for that opportunity. And why I say it was a baptism of fire is I didn't really know what I was doing at that sort of level, the, the level of detail and scouting and game preparation, you know, it's serious professional business, um, college basketball. So really appreciative of that education, the opportunity to coach Delivered over through those years just made us, made us all look good and was super enjoyable and was just an unbelievable competitor. Um, and then, you know, also learned a lot from the year he left as we tried to navigate a different team, a different squad. And that was, um, that didn't seem like a risk at the time because I knew the opportunity was just too good to be true. So I was really happy to jump in. And then you moved back to Australia to go to Canberra at the Centre of Excellence and be in charge of that program, which, again, can be considered two ways. It can be considered a safe decision to come back and, and be in such a great environment here or a risk to leave America given we know what the college system can, can produce. Was coming back, though, the defining moment of your career in that you were able to set up your own program and produce genuine talent that went big? I think it was a really defining moment because I, I thought it was the step that would help me become a better coach. And I was really passionate about the program, um, thought I could help. Um, I knew there were other great people involved. Um, but the, the sentiment like career wise was that, um, I will get so many coaching reps. I will, um, be around other great coaches in a different environment and get to be a head coach at a lower level. And I sort of saw two paths. You could be a, try and be an assistant at a higher level and gradually do that. I just saw myself learning more, being challenged in a different way, being a head coach at a lower level. And the, the beauty of the Centre of Excellence is it's such an intense environment. It's why players get better so quick there. There's, there's this sort of a protected environment. You're on the court all day. There's no distractions. It's purely about development and made plenty of mistakes, but really got to hone my craft there. And, uh, and then we were really fortunate that good talent came our way. We were really hard at scouting and, um, and developing players, but at the same time, um, and good players make each other good. So as we started getting some guys get better and better, um, it was really, you know, iron sharpens iron. It was really see, fun to see a few of them make a big jump and really proud of all our players that came through there at the time. And, and guys like uh, Jack White that have taken a different journey to, to touch the NBA. Um, it was it was a really fun time. So you mentioned Jack White. It's been some other certainly big names we've got to the NBA, one of them being Josh Giddy, who had such a fantastic debut season. 
And then there was this bloke. With the eighth pick in the 2022 NBA draft, the New Orleans Pelicans select Dyson Daniels from Bendigo, Australia, the NBA Global Academy in Australia, and the NBA G League's Team Ignite. So Dyson Daniels, great top 10 pick for Australia from, from last year. And as we said at the top, you're going to have your first game and his first game on the same court. That must feel a little bit surreal as you're going in. It's Yeah, it's one of the probably the most surreal part about it. I'm so proud of what he's achieved. Um, not surprised, just can't help but smile and uh, no one deserves it more. I can envisage a scene from Hustle where Adam Adam Sandler walks out to Bo Cruz and says, congratulations, so excited for you to be here, and then turns to his direct opponent and says, these are all the secrets that I taught him that you need to know about. Are we going to have that happening, do you reckon, on, on Thursday? Or Wednesday, your time, Thursday, uh, our time? I certainly won't hold back giving our team and staff all the information they need to stop him. Uh, we'll not hold back there, nor should he hold back against us. No, I think... Uh, the links that the Adam Stanley character went to to helping that player is a bit different. Um, I mean, I'm just so proud of him. For him, um, you know, I think the development and development coaching and the center of excellence, it's pretty, it's just obvious to you that the players make their decisions and make their way. You afford them opportunities and give them help and guide, so to speak, but you don't make them. And Dyson just, particularly during a tough time of COVID, um, you know, like they won a lot of games and he was just working away and working away and the demands we put on those guys during that time, I wasn't sure they were right, but Tyrus Proctor and others worked really, really hard. Then we came out of COVID and we got to fill in basically a boomers game against New Zealand in Cairns. And just going to that game, I knew that both of them, Dyson was a bit older, was going to, was going to do something really special. So fun to see sort of that work rewarded behind closed doors and, and know that that, that works. Um, it's a fun thing to see. And you look at the Australian influence in the NBA at the moment. It's quite amazing your schedule. Even you come up against Trevor Gleeson in Game Two. You come up against Joe Ingles in yeah. Game Four. Josh Green in Game Five. You're part of the bronze medal winning group um, at, the, at the Olympics. So you've been part of so many great moments in the development of the sport in, in this country. Where do you see this next wave? Well, you talk about Daniels and there's Josh Giddy, and we've got Luke Travers, who we hope will go from being a draftee to being onto a main sure. roster. What can Australia achieve with this next wave coming through, do you reckon? I think one of the really fun things about joining the Boomers was that the standard was very obvious to me. It wasn't, oh, I hope we can do well, or this team, this squad should be good. Um, it, was, it was that this hasn't been a fluke. We're we're winning a gold medal. And I think that remains the goal. Um, and, you know, we are all contributing in our own way, helping develop young players, whatever it might be. Um, undoubtedly, we have talent. And we've had talent for a while now. And the thing I said before is true. Good players make each other good. And as they're sort of coming through here together, they'll continue the boomers' culture and spirit and those practices will be firing. The demands on each other will be will be high and that'll, you know, I truly believe we'll continue to do special things and there's a gold medal out there for our national team for sure. Um, we've got a lot of special young players. And from a parochial West Australian perspective, three guys who are coming through the ranks who you coached and who are now at St Mary's as well. It's amazing. Everyone ends up at St Mary's, little Australia that, that it is. Harry Wessels, Alex Dukas, Cole Bowen. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, people over here would love to know your thoughts on how they're going to progress throughout their careers. 
all really bright futures. Um, you, you know, as a coach, you just you can't say this. I've got lots of favourites, so it's definitely three of my favourites. Um, for you know, the sand group, of, the West Australian sand group of thing may have influenced it a little, but um, Kyle Bowen was such a personality and super tough. Um, we sort of used to call him the uh, the next Nick Kane, is what we call him as he was coming through. Uh, I don't think he has a lot of the same attributes and is a, is going to be a, a great player. Um, Alex Duke has had some has had some injury troubles, and I don't actually don't think we've seen him at his best. Um, when he was coming out of the centre of excellence and his freshman year in college, I think he was setting a very very high standard for himself, um, and he'll he'll reach those standards. I think he's got a an elite international career. And Harry Wessels is there's just not many guys like that with that level of attitude and size and talent and toughness. I really enjoy it. when Harry joined us at the Center of Excellence. I knew we needed some sort of muscle inside as a team and as a squad to help other guys get better. But also Harry was picked for his own talent and bright future. But one of the things I said to him that I, I just he'd be doing the right thing, and I knew we'd be in a good place when other players started complaining about him hurting them. <laughs> Um, and because he doesn't have a mean bone in his body, but his rebounding effort just annoyed the hell out of guys. They'd be complaining about him fouling them, and just they just wanted out. Um, and I think uh, with his talent and, and find a way to impact the game physically, that's something Australian basketball is going to need. He's going to do some really special things. Also, from a parochial perspective, we do have the Dribble Podcast MVP award on here, where we announce the votes each game for the Perth Wildcats. So I'll go through those now. And in the game against Melbourne, the votes went like this. I've given one vote to Brady Manick for 11 points, four rebounds, two steals, and two blocks. Two votes to Luke Travers with his 12 points, eight assists, six rebounds, and one block. And three votes went to this man. Ridiculous by Bryce Cotton. Time. See you later, Golding. There's a foul, and there's an and one. Yes, Bryce Cotton again. 32 points, five rebounds, two assists, two steals. He can play a little bit. And if you're a Perth Lynx fan, again, parochially, they have two practice matches against Adelaide this weekend on Saturday at 12 p.m. at UWA Recreation and Fitness Centre, followed by Sunday at 1.30 p.m. at the Bendat Basketball Centre. Now, from a Wildcats perspective, when Trevor Gleeson left, your name was thrown around left, right, and centre in this state saying, wouldn't it be great if we could get him back? Was it ever a possibility, or were you locked in at that point to going, going to the Nets in the G League? I was locked in over here. Um, and I think the Wildcats got the coach they should get. John really is a fantastic coach um, and going to do great things there. Um, it was never discussed or entertained. Uh, not, I think it's perhaps the best job in the world outside the NBA. Um, for me, the age of our kids, they're five and seven. I knew how much I was learning over here and just on a good arc and growing, getting better. Uh, I wouldn't change where I am for the world. Um, couldn't, you know, uh, think of the Wildcats more fondly and couldn't be happier for uh, John really, Danny Mills and that, that staff there. I think they're going to do great things. And from a development perspective yourself, like when you look at the head coaching possibilities for the future, do you see yourself being a long-term person wanting to stay in the NBA for as long as possible or you've got the, the, the itchy trigger finger of wanting to get a head coaching position either there or somewhere else? Like how do you view the most important part of developing as a coach? That is a great question. Um, you know, because I had that sort of moment I talked about from college um, I actually think a little bit differently right now. I've had a lot of head coaching experience at different levels, um, 
you know, and there's a lot of head coaching experience that head coaching experience out there. I still need at at high levels and um, the elite levels. But right now, I think uh, sort of honing my craft, understanding the NBA game, um, and the challenges of not only this schedule, but this team and coaching against other elite coaches tactically. There's just so much there. I'm sort of hesitating because there's so much that I know I'm I'm getting better at daily and digging in on and really enjoying. Um, and I don't really see where that ends yet, if that makes sense. I've just jumped in. I'm really enjoying it. I don't think it's around the corner. I think there's uh, plenty of growth for me. Um, I would love to be a head coach again someday. And you, of course, want to do it um, at the highest level. Um, you know, some of my fondest basketball memories are, are certainly with the with the Boomers and being involved there at any capacity is something I hope to continue. Um, so no plans to jump to a head coaching spot anywhere sometime soon. But. Must have been fun, though, doing Long Island Nets last year and to have done the Summer League this year. That Those two experiences must have been awesome. They were super fun. Um, once again, the learning curve, a different environment, different challenges, um, great to you know what was so helpful was being part of such a great organization the nets have treated treated me and my family really really well given us great opportunities helped us get better felt supported had a great staff um learned a lot last year and the summer league experience was just sort of dipping your toe in the the nba waters a little bit and having a a lot of our a lot of our coaches around at practices and giving you feedback and stuff like that was really rewarding really enjoyable and um yeah, I mean, I was really thankful to our players and the effort they gave, which you always are as a coach, you know. You mentioned you've got a couple of kids. You've also got a wife who's – who's the better athlete out of the two of you because she's a fair income, unbelievable performer, all-American in both golf and soccer. Who's the, who's the better athlete out of you two? Uh, that's an easy one to answer. Definitely not me. Yeah. Definitely not. And, uh, you know, sort of hoping – she does. People always ask me about our kids. I'm getting them into basketball and coaching. I said, no, I'm letting my wife pick their sports and she's coaching them in golf and soccer at the moment. How have they settled into the US? They've done really well. It's been one of the, you know, it's one of the, that was one of the scariest parts coming here. Young kids, totally new environment from the suburbs of Canberra to downtown Brooklyn, but they've done really well. And, um, you know, coaching is really tough on families, as all coaches could attest to. And I'm very lucky and really all supported. And the Nets played a big role in that. Um, and they've done really well, yeah. And in the summer, we get in our golf and soccer practice. That's been fun too. <laughs> and I'm told, I'm not sure whether I'm being set up here or not, but are you a bit of a muso? I'm told you play guitar and there's a bit of Pearl Jam back here. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'm a really bad hack on the guitar at times, yeah. And I used to play uh, play my friends in Frio when I was you know, high school and in the Wildcats and stuff like that. And uh cream because of how bad it was but really enjoy it yeah uh brian well set, set. i remember i would say my wildcats days used to play with uh, brad robbins and, and paul rogers and stuff like that we used, and alex Loughton was a good guitarist actually yeah set, set a little band you could call yourself what all star five or something like that'd be perfect um <laughs> <laughs> so, so 7 30 a.m our time on thursday morning i'm sure the family will, will be up watching from over here I, I can't imagine when the last time we would have got back to perth when would that have been been a little while, um, but plan on doing it next summer. You know, preparations for the World Cup, getting over early and seeing the family. It's been, uh, yeah, actually, not even, not even sure. A couple of years. 
it's certainly been hard hard to get back, that's for sure. Well, thank you so much for joining us from over there. Uh, it's obviously night time over there for yourself, and you, and you haven't got long before first game. You've got a couple of kids, you've got to get to bed. So I really, I really appreciate you joining us. You are an absolute inspiration, and it's going to be exciting for all of us over here to be watching the Nets with yourself, Paddy, and Ben, hopefully, having such a great season. So good luck. Appreciate all that, Craig, and appreciate this. Enjoy listening to this podcast, and... Uh... Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, that's it for this episode of the Dribble Podcast. Remember, you can read all of your basketball news in the West Australian newspaper and keep logging on to thewest.com.au. Thanks to the brilliant Shannon Bevan for her production work today. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Dribble Podcast.